Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellenbecker Investment Group. You know, sometimes we deal with some challenging issues and topics on our show, and our goal is not to sweep the challenges under the rug by any means, but instead to draw attention to individuals and organizations that are part of bringing a solution to the table. Our conversations are meant to be positive, uplifting, and encouraging so that listeners can hopefully be inspired to determine how they want to be a part of the solution as well. It was our 40th President of the United States, Ronald Reagan, who also served in the Army Reserves, who said, quote, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass freedom on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we've known is if we fight for it, we protect it, we defend it, and then we hand it to them with the well-fought lessons of how they, in their lifetime, must do the same, end quote. Powerful words indeed. We have quite a few mighty, courageous, and brave individuals who have fought and protected and defended our freedom, but there was a cost. So how are we going to fight for, protect, and defend them? Today we're going to talk about a topic that affects about 19% of adults in the United States, equivalent to over 47 million Americans, roughly one in five. But for a particular population, it affects many more. The topic we're talking about is mental illness. The National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, reports that veterans in the United States are at a much higher risk for developing mental health issues. In fact, about 41%, or 1.7 million veterans, have a mental health need. Trauma, combat exposure, service injuries, and the strain of keeping yourself and others safe are all things that can greatly contribute to this fact, with the, most, the three most common mental health concerns for veterans being PTSD, depression, and traumatic brain injury. So here to talk about what he and his nonprofit are doing to be part of the solution and help veterans and first responders is Army veteran Matt McDonald, founder of Next 18. Welcome to the show today, Matt. Hi, Jill. Thank you for your time. Tell us first about Matt. You know, tell us about what brought you to this place. So I think first with the, the quote that you just mentioned about the three or four things that affect the community, We'll get into it later, but I just want people to be aware of a word that they may not have heard, moral injury. So Matt, Matt before the military in 2011, as a 27-year-old when I joined, did not have much direction. Uh, I had a good life uh, up until then. I, I was going to college. I, I had a good um, different variety of jobs in Milwaukee where I grew up. I was just missing something. Uh, I Still to this day, I don't know what that thing was, but it inevitably led me to join the military at uh, 26, 27. I went to the Army. I went in as an infantry soldier, trained at Fort Benning for a couple months, and I went to airborne school. From there, I went down to North Carolina for um, 
uh, preparation program for special operations. Uh, as most of us do going through that program, I suffered a knee injury. I was removed from the program. At this point, the military knows really well how to recruit. They get young individuals that have at least an associate's degree, were like 23, 24 years old. Now they've trained you to be infantry. They've trained you to be airborne qualified. So you're kind of starting to rise in the ranks of like what you can do. I was sent to Germany with the 173rd. That was now, I think we're entering really either late 2011 or very early 2012. And within six months, I was in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in Afghanistan for nine months. Six and a half months of it was combat intensive as a uh, Mark 48 uh, belt-fed automatic uh, machine gun. And my time in Afghanistan was, looking back now, transformational. Um, looking back now, too, learning, that's where a lot of my moral injury came from. Uh, I didn't know what it was until 10 months ago. Mm. Um, but we can get into that later. So military lasted till, military lasted till about uh, 2015. I was medically retired, moved back to Fox Point on the North Shore of Milwaukee. And I came back happy, I think. I, I was medically retired. I, I had a nice house in the North Shore. I started a lawn and snow business, tactical lawn and snow. That grew exponentially really quickly. I was getting my MBA and I was happily married. So everything was going in the right direction. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, so you started this, this business, this snow and lawn business, and how long did you do that? So I did that for about three, a little over three years. And then you ended up selling it, my understanding? Yeah, I had to sell the business because of some, the barrier as a veteran that I ran into. Okay, so why don't why don't you tell us about how your military experience led you to selling your business? When I was in the military post deployment, I was put on uh, Ambien, and the Ambien was because of lack of sleep, insomnia, nightmares, uh, and when I got out of the military, I was pretty quickly from the, the local VA put on diazepam. I was put on diazepam by my dentist, which in hindsight now I question why I was prescribed Valium by a dentist, but that's a whole other story. Mm. Uh, that was in like early 16. So in mid 18, my mental health provider at the VA approached me and he said, you know, you've been on these meds for a couple of years. This was around the time that they were identifying that benzodiazepines were worse than opioids. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think at the time they knew how bad it was. Um, I said, okay, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I was being successful. I was doing what I should do. And I couldn't wrap my head around how veterans got out and ran into issues because it wasn't happening to me. Mm -hmm. And the titration plan by the VA was you can take a half a dose for two weeks of both of these and then you can just stop. Okay. So I did that. And 14 days into cold turkey, I a drawn-out situation in the morning resulted in me almost killing myself mm -hmm. with a firearm that I knew something was wrong, and I went to lock 
because I wasn't in control of my, my body. I didn't know what was going on. And my only thing that I could think of in the moment was you should probably lock your firearms. Mm. Hmm. Wow. So I just want to understand the timeline. So you, you went over to Afghanistan, um, came back, started this, this business that you had, and then you sold your business, uh, I'm assuming because of the, the situation with the, the meds that you were on. What did you see as the next logical step then after selling your business and after understanding how the medicine uh, was, uh, so-called medicine, um, was affecting you? So it actually took 18 months for me to get off of the meds with some prescribers outside of the VA. All of 18, almost all of 18, all of 19, well into 20. Um, through that whole period, I had to sell the business. My my wife left. Um, the suicidal ideation. I started attending some programs with Semper Fi Fund. They're a national organization. Mm-hmm. Their whole thing was recovery through sport, and it was just sport. So we went for like four days and we did this thing. And I learned how to sail. There was a golf camp I went to. I went skiing with them. And then I started looking at these models and I thought, it's really interesting that we're not giving mental health. We have 20 people here. Why Why are we missing this thing that we know this, this subsector of the population needs? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that kind of led me down my path. And so didn't you tell me that you spent almost a year golfing Yeah. So when I sold the business, uh, all of 20, while everyone was dealing with COVID, I practically lived on a golf course. And I am so fortunate for Fire Ridge and Grafton. I just went into work as a, um, I would have just cleaned carts. I sold my business. I was financially fine. I just wanted to play this game that I had not played for the last 10 years because of the military and isolation and running a business and everything. And uh, I think I played 120 rounds of golf that year. So just being outside brought you the joy you needed, right? Yeah. I forgot how beneficial that game was to me. Well, being physically active outdoors has been shown through research to reduce anger and depression and improve your mood more than exercising indoors. Not... Not only do you feel those uh, those feel-good endorphins that move through your body, but you also get exposure to vitamin D from being out in the sun, which is important for mood regulation. When we get back after commercial break, Matt's going to tell us more about what he learned about mental health and how he serves vets and first responders in the great outdoors. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Matt McDonald, founder of Next 18, which is a nonprofit that serves veterans and first responders who struggle with mental health challenges. So, Matt, you yourself experienced health and healing when you were in the outdoors. Share with us what you do then to help the veterans and the first responders as a result of what you yourself experienced? So we use Next 18 and golf as the modality to get participants involved with our vets and first responders. But at our core, we are a mental health nonprofit. Each day of a three or four day camp, which we offer, we provide, we give the golf, which is about two hours of lessons from local PGA pros. 
and 18 holes of golf in a scramble format so that each day our participants are able to, they all hit a ball and they all come back to the same spot. But then over the course of the three or four days, the groups are shifted so that they're all able to play together and as individuals become a group. But the mental health, that is tantamount to what we are doing. And there's anywhere from two to four hours a day of mindfulness exercises, meditation, yoga, mindfulness, resilience training, uh, moral injury, understanding of what it is, PTSD symptom management, breath exercises, all of these resources on a a micro and a macro level for the individual to both understand what's going on externally and also internally here are some resources when we get in these situations external triggers and and triggers in ourselves, we're giving them resources to understand how to be able to get through that moment and long-term live a healthier, better life and be better spouses, better employees, all of these different things. And Next 18 is, it's golf is a big part of it, but it's not only about golf. As you said, mental health is, is, uh, is your number one driver. And you know what? The resources are there, right? It's just having people understand where to go to find them. And you're, you're providing some of those resources. What else? You know, you talked about the, the golf, obviously, as a way to get them outdoors. Elaborate a little bit more on, on some of the things that you do through, through your camps. Right. So golf is the attraction. And we want to have the opportunity for participants to be at locations. Uh, We want camps to be overnight, but that adds a whole other level of funding for lodging and things like that and and food at night. What we want to be able to do is when the golf is done at night, have these more drawn-out talks about deeper topics, the moral injury, uh, identifying where things from our childhood programming They exacerbate with specific moments in the military that lead to PTSD, that lead to moral injury, that lead to depression and anxiety. Uh, First responders, they deal with the commonalities between the two are so similar. So we're trying to give these resources in a way that we don't want the whole thing to be about let's let's talk. That's why the golf comes in there. Mm -hmm. And let's say for the two hours in the morning when they're getting lessons, It's 30 minutes of lessons, maybe on the short game or putting. And then we pull away and we do a 15-minute breath exercise. A lot of these exercises also inherently tie into the game of golf. If you watch professional golfers, there's a pre-shot routine. It's mindfulness. The same routine over and over. uh, Breathing, part of the pre-shot routine, getting your breath so that you can be present in the moment, hit a good shot. Um... Being disconnected from the outside world, grounding, being in the moment, on the, all of these things tie into golf, and that's why like, it's so exciting to be able to use golf, which is something I love, right. as, um, as the modality to get this out. Mm, that's wonderful. Now, I'm not a golfer. I mean, I love all kinds of sports, but a golfer I am not. But I love the, just the idea that you bring golf into the equation so that and you don't have to love golf right or you don't have to be a good golf player right you can just come and learn and then um benefit from the programs right so where are you currently and what does the future look like for next 18 so right now we are we're at a point where 
nonprofits are early on. We're, we're growing. We are. We've we've proven that this is a thing. We're working with outside uh, golf courses, uh, Kohler, Sand Valley, Aaron Hills, uh, Washington County locally. They love this concept, and we're figuring out. We have camps planned at all of those locations this year. We're we're actively filling um, the ranks for the participants, and. We're having an outing this year. It's our first outing. We plan to have outings every year. I think, you know, the question is what can, what do nonprofits need help with? It will always be funding. Whether right. you're on the entry level two months in or you're a national nonprofit, you need funding to keep doing what you do. So in a way, we're always in the funding stage, but we're also in the stage right now of really developing there's so many different ways we can go with the the flow of the camp specifically. How do we do that in such a way that it gives maximum benefit to our participants, um, focusing on, on the self and self-care and then focusing on empathy and compassion and how we present outwardly because of the stuff that is inside of us. So that's one thing we're really focusing on right now and just the connections with mental health providers beyond the network that we already have that we've been developing. And I think, too, just getting the word out. It, I mean, you're in your infancy stage. Um, you know, you're you're ramping up here, and uh, shows like this are, are key in getting the, the word out to the masses that here's this organization run by a veteran for veterans. Um, taking advantage of uh, education and how that joins together with the outdoors and the benefits of that. I think you said, too, that you've been doing a lot of podcasts, and so getting that word out and just making people aware that you're here is is so important. What would you say is the greatest lesson? Sounds like you've learned a lot of lessons over your short years here. What is the greatest one that you've learned through this this whole process of starting Next 18 and the topic of mental health? I think it's twofold in that both being vulnerable and being okay with asking for help. I know a lot of people like to do things on their own, and I am definitely one of them. And I have learned, I learned through my small business ownership and through my my MBA degree, right? Like you can be a successful business owner if you want, but I think at some point, if like next 18 to get national, like we want 20, 30 camps a year, I can't do that myself. Yeah. I have so many people around me o- over the years that I have gotten to know that are really good at what they do that I am not good at. So I'm learning to ask. And it, it, it involves vulnerability. It involves being able to say you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. So learning... And understanding that, hey, I need to trust my team because together we can do great. But by myself, I'm only going to get so far. And I'm sure you learned that in the military. You know, you're you uh, band of brothers, right? Um, well, partnerships have always been a big part of our discussion because we understand that not one nonprofit can be the total solution to any particular problem or or challenge, right? Um, tell us about the partnerships that you have that help to advance your mission at Next 18. So I've been really fortunate to work with uh, Mike Orban and Dan Buttery. Um, Mike Orban is a veteran. Dan's a veteran. Dan is the CEO of the War Memorial. He stood up the Fisher House. 
Dan to me is a mentor. Mike is also a mentor. Um, Rachel Goldman, Dr. Eric Rausch, and Dr. Greg uh, Birick, they are three providers that I work with right now for my internship for my uh, MSW degree um, with a group of vets over in Tosa underneath uh, Aurora. And um, Ambrose WB, uh, with with his understanding of mental health and his his decade long connection to it in Milwaukee, those are probably the ones that I have tapped into the most. And again, uh, not one can do it all. And so you take what you do well, and you marry that with what other people do well, and you bring together this great solution for the the people that you serve, right? Great organization, great programs that you offer. Uh, if people want to learn more about Next 18, where do they go? You know, how can they get more information, and how can they they help you in your in your mission? So our website is next18.org. N e x t one eight dot o r g. Uh, we are also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Instagram is probably our most active arena, but we are on all of the other platforms that I mentioned. Uh, we have a bunch of podcasts that have come out recently. Those are all on the website. So if people want to be able to hear more about the golf side or more about the mental health side, we've been kind of playing in both sandboxes lately. Okay, very good. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for participating in the interview today. Thank you for your service, and thank you for all the information you shared. Thanks, Jill. You're welcome. Our next guest is one of the partners that Matt works with to help advance his mission of helping veterans and first responders, and he does it in his own unique way as well. So stay tuned to learn more. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest today is Ambrose Wilson-Brown, who goes by Ambrose WB. He's a young entrepreneur who lives by the motto, work hard, live well. He is a director of Sky Schools of Milwaukee, which is a program of the International Association for Human Values, otherwise known as IAHV. And they are a nonprofit dedicated to providing youth, parents, and educators with a healthy mind, body, and lifestyle. Welcome to the show today, Ambrose. Hi, Jill. So give us a quick bio. Tell us about Ambrose. Yeah, so the quick bio is that I am a mindfulness mental performance coach, and I help people overcome the barriers that block them from success by focusing on their beliefs, their habits, and their routines. I do that either through exercise, nutrition, and with Sky Schools, breathwork and meditation. So that's the quick, the quick bio. Okay. A little bit longer is I'm from Milwaukee, but I grew up on the East Coast with a big family. And that's important because coming back to Milwaukee in my teenage years, I was socially isolated, actually living in the 52206 zip code, lots of violence in the 90s, and we weren't really able to enjoy childhood like we did when I was a little bit younger. And I think that really ties into what I do today. Mm. I was an athlete, good student, uh, did the college thing, played football, and started coaching young people right away uh, outside of um, outside of college. And since then, I've been coaching ever since. Mm. Well, you've got an interesting bio, and I suggest people look you up and, and, and check it out. Um, apparently, you and Matt have known each other for over 10 years. And so uh, I'm curious, what were you doing when, when he was in the Army? 
Yeah, so me and Matt probably have been friends for maybe closer to 15 years. So I met Matt when we were both in transitions, right? I was becoming a business owner. Matt was becoming a military man. Right before that, I met him in the social life downtown. We were young men. And actually, Matt reached out to me, asked me if I can help him with his uh, to military training. He was going to the military, which is a little bit unique because we were a little bit older, not too much older, but I said, cool, let's go for it. So we started training. And once Matt went away for the military, I kept coaching. So I was working at a local high school in the weight room. I ran a business downtown with boot camps and also had a, um, a group class, group training program with the young people as well. So I was over Milwaukee, Grafton, uh, Menominee Fall. I had lots of different gyms that I ran out of, out of Milwaukee um, okay. as a fitness professional. Nice, nice. Um, what did you think when Matt brought you this idea for Next 18? Yeah, so it was really cool because I'm not sure how much Matt knew when he got back from the military. But as you said earlier, I was actually, I pivoted it to work at a nonprofit in 2013. So probably two years after Matt went away, I started to uh, focus on social-emotional learning, working with the young people. That was my main focus. I realized really quickly on that the educators were probably the most important people to receive these types of programs and services. And then I actually getting a little bit older, parents as well, too. So when Matt came to me, I knew right away how it might connect, but I'm not a golfer, right? So, <laughs> so, so <laughs> you're we, like, I know it could, but yeah. not sure exactly how yet. How right? yet? Yeah, growth yeah. mindset. So I pretty much was excited for my friend to be able to, you know, take care of himself and other people. And, um, you know, I'm a lifelong learner, so I was listening, and we actually went to a movie together that was talking about moral injury. And uh, just wanted to be supportive. So he talked to me about the idea and came back a little bit later with another proposition to be the board member, which uh-huh. is awesome. But mm-hmm. um, I was happy to serve. And so you get involved in his camps, right? Yes, yes. So my background through Sky Schools and my business is that I do a lot of workshops, lots of presentations, and happens to be the modules that he goes over in the camps, mindfulness, yoga, exercise, breath work, are things that I do already. Uh, so I was able to help him format and help him to uh, build out that the modules, as he calls them, for Next 18 Camps. Okay. And so what did you see at, uh, at the end of those, uh, like the first camp that you were part of? Yeah, it was awesome. So first of all, I wish I could have made it to the beginning of the camp. So I made it to the very last day because we were, you know, busy with school stuff and Matt was already running the show. So I went there the last day. They were still on the golf course, still hitting a couple of balls and Right away, I had on my uh, my white shirt, my Next 18 shirt, so they knew who I was. I got directed to the to the right spot, and I just saw people that looked like they were friends already. They were they were having conversation. They were um, they invited me in. Uh, they, they were busy, so I was kind of to the side, right? Took a picture or whatnot. But what really happened was at the uh, the last lunch, seeing everyone around the table in fellowship. That's when I realized, like ah, like he pulled it off. They were really really connected. And they gave so much praise and so much thanks, uh, affirmation of the idea being successful, mm. that I was like, wow, Matt's really got something something really awesome here. Yeah. And do you find that that's maybe what's lacking in the school system? Yeah, I would say what he's doing is giving people out-of-context experiences, right? So if you tell someone you're doing golf and mental health, the first question is, what does that look like? Probably right, and you can go. You can go to the website right? you can look at a piece of paper. Uh, but the experience of going to the to this—that's why I had to go myself, even if it was just for the last day. I wanted to feel the vibes, feel that energy. 
is very similar. So with Sky Schools, what we do are out of context learning experiences that tend to happen inside of the school day. So we're in the school. So you asked the question when I was doing Matt was away. For two years, I volunteered actually at a local high school for five hours a day before I went to my actual job at one o'clock. And so I was actually teaching social emotional learning, which is a cognitive process, but also breathwork and meditation in a school day. The first question people ask me is, are you a teacher? And I'm like, well, I'm an informal te- teacher, but I'm not certified. I don't have any, you know, just like the people doing the golf camps aren't psychologists necessarily or right, therapists, right. right? But they have something to offer. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So th- the main thing that I see there is, all right, what we're doing at Sky, these out-of-context experiences, right, giving people games, questions, just different processes that get you out of your know your your math reading science brain which are all great things to go mm-hmm. over right but how do you teach empathy compassion respect teamwork uh you know that's what they're doing on the golf course we do that in our own way with sky schools and that's awesome because those are those soft skills right that they're not really taught in the schools i think maybe they should have you in a few more schools teaching those concepts because that's important and that's something that you take with you in every experience in life, right? It's so it's so important. So is that why you were excited about partnering with Matt uh, and also introducing these programs in in this in the school system? Yeah, part with Matt was a no brainer because as much as I I love what I do with Sky Schools, we're in we're in school systems. And Milwaukee Public Schools is the biggest school system in Wisconsin. And I've learned <laughs> over the years that, you know, it takes a lot more work to to turn that big, big boat, right? It's a big boat. That's Whereas, a nice way to say that. Yeah. There's a lot of politics involved, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of politics, red tape. <laughs> you know, just even learning language, right? Learning mm-hmm. how teachers speak. But being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, I know that you're able to move a lot faster, Right. So being able to work with someone that's a, that's the founder of a nonprofit. Right. I have an ED that I work with closely. Alon's a great ED, but it's in a big system called IHV mm-hmm. that you mentioned earlier. So it was easy for me to realize, OK, I have some things that I've learned over the last few years that I could be of a resource to Matt growing his growing his nonprofit. Um, and also knowing the nonprofit game, too, with him coming into it fresh to be a little bit of a um, support there as well. Absolutely. And the things that you um, bring to the school system, as I said, are so, so necessary, so needed. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but I just wanted to make a comment that it's it's interesting to hear how millennials, of which you both are, I believe, um, <laughs> you take your, your passion for something and your experiences and you figure out a way to make a living from it, right? Nearly one in three millennials, or 30%, reported having a small business or a side hustle, if you will, with almost one in five, or 19%, saying it's their main source of income. And I think that's exactly what Matt and Ambrose did. Uh, what What's learned along the way, good and bad, is so important as far as how you move forward, right? Stay tuned to hear some things that Ambrose has learned along his journey. We're going to take a break, and you'll hear more after we return. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG. Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking in this last segment with Ambrose Wilson Brown. 
Ambrose W.B., in other words, who is the director of the Sky School program. I think we understand how how important being a continual learner is. You spoke to that uh, in the previous segment. And then being able to discern how you move forward from those things that you have learned. So what's one thing, Ambrose, that you wish you had known when you began your career? Hmm. I would say that there is no uh, linear path uh, after after school, right? So I went to school and got two degrees, played football. You know, I was on in the fraternity. I volunteered, and I really thought that that meant that it guaranteed success after college. That didn't happen. That's helped me, not right at that point in time, but because of that, I had to start my own company. So I graduated. There was a great recession, so I literally could not find work, and I had, had to figure it out. So I uh, started my own company, and I was pretty successful in my 20s running this company, similar to Matt. And I, I stopped my company when I was at my, my peak, which people don't quite realize, I think, sometimes. People ask mm. the question, what happened? What happened was what I thought I was building, I w- it wasn't what I thought, right? So I wanted to build a company that was bigger than myself, and I was building a team of people that c- could support me and support them in their visions. And... um then it all pretty much came to a halt really, really quickly. And that's a longer story I won't get into. Right. But, there was but you a, knew where to move to, to pivot. And, kinda. And so I actually was working on a really a, a true entrepreneur at this point. I thought I was just a, a, a business owner. I didn't use the term entrepreneur until this individual who was a, a true entrepreneur said to me one day, you're going to figure it out. Right. So I had uh, the Milwaukee's Best Person Trainer Award. I had a team of six trainers. I had an assistant. And we were going to open up a gym downtown Milwaukee. And then my trainer started going away, which was actually was the plan, right, to have people that were so good that people would seek them. So I had my trainer go to Pittsburgh, one went to Anytime Fitness. I actually broke up with my girlfriend. I was one of my best trainers at that time. Mm. And uh, put my business on, on pause, and I had, had the ability to do so. I had all my companies running. Uh, but then I thought I was going to get a location. So I put all my eggs in that one basket. And when that fell through, I was in a tailspin and – Reaching out to that to that person who was one of my clients actually, when he told me that you're you're an entrepreneur, you didn't say it this sweetly, but <laughs> you're an entrepreneur, you'll figure it out. It actually was the the wake up call that I was that I was looking for in a sense that I was able to use ever since then to continually figure things out along my path. Well, I read a book a few years ago called Failing Forward by John Maxwell. Great book, highly recommend it. Um, People often think of failure as a negative thing, but it really isn't. You know, if you could just recognize what it is and then learn from it, like you said, um, what would you say is your biggest failure and and what did you learn from it? It's a good question. I hope I keep having, I mean, it sounds cliche, but I hope I keep having bigger failures. Uh, at that point in time, at 30, that was my, my biggest failure. Uh, I lost $30,000. I told people I was going to do something that wasn't happening. And... Um, I felt embarrassed, right? I felt embarrassed of sorts. Um, so at that point in time, that was my biggest failure, definitely. But mm-hmm. prior to that, as I mentioned before, not finding work out of college was my biggest failure. So it sounds yeah. like every seven years or so. <laughs> so I think, I'm, I think I'm pretty due for another big failure. <laughs> you um, get the seven-year itch in a different kind of way, yes, right? Yes, yes. But you looked at what you've accomplished, and mm-hmm. I think that is the bottom line, is that everybody's going to fail to some degree or another, and to just say it's just part of the learning process and to say, okay, how hard did I fail? And that drives you 
to look at the next thing. And you did that. And, you know, it sounds like you're, you're on a great path to doing great things. Based on things that you've learned over the years, what do you think needs to happen to improve the mental health and the wellness space specifically? Yeah, so I'll focus on schools, and I would say some of this entrepreneurial energy in schools is what's, is what's needed. Um, entrepreneurs figure things out. They take unique possibilities, unique opportunities that might be called challenges or problems, and they maximize the potential of those, right? So I think that's the one unique thing that I bring to school systems and nonprofit spaces that I ran a business for eight years prior. So I come in thinking, I think differently than, than the average person, I believe. Along with that, I would say people need some space and, and grace right now. So especially when I say people, I'm thinking about the students and the teachers and the parents that we serve. This pandemic has really given us a chance to do a, a reset or like a beautiful reset if we take this opportunity to do so. So our main focus in the pandemic, right when it right when it hit, actually, um, May, I want to say March 18th, uh, our team came together. You know, we're a, a national program. So you have a national program came together and our Teachers are, we vary from really young to people who are retired. So we got a chance to figure out how to be on Facebook Live six times a day, four times in English, two times in Spanish. Wow. And we did that without having any any income, you know, any no one paid for it. We just knew that something needed to happen that wasn't happening yet. We provided that service for three, four, five months nonstop. So that entrepreneurial spirit, my point is, you don't have to, you don't have to be a business owner to have that spirit. But that spirit entrepreneurship, I think, is really necessary right now for, you know, education, healthcare, uh, mental health for sure. Absolutely. And I love what you said about it being a reset because we talk about being positive and encouraging and inspiring people. And sometimes when I talk to nonprofits or not necessarily just nonprofits, but people who say, oh, man, the pandemic, that's the world was the worst time, whatever. But if you can find those hidden gems and say, well, yeah, it wasn't the, the best thing. I mean, I learned how to do this thing called Zoom. I mean, I didn't even know what it was before. And we weren't getting people that wanted to come into the studio for obvious reasons. And so we had to figure it out. And that's the blessing because now we know we can reach more. We can get to more guests by being able to do things virtually. And I like how you said that it's a reset. It's not... Yeah, we we probably if we were asked if we wanted to go through it, I'm sure most people would say, yeah, no, I'll take a pass on that one. But if we say, okay, that again was life. As I said at the beginning of the show, we deal with challenging things. We don't sweep them under the rug, but we we try and find the silver lining, if you will, and we try to say, okay, this happened. Now what? And so that's what you guys did. You know, you said this is an issue. This is a challenge. This is. Uh, an adverse situation, whatever. Now let's figure out how we can be part of the solution and bring that to the table. So I commend you on that. What would you say then, Ambrose, is your call to action? Or what would you like to say as any final comments to our listening audience? I'm a breath coach at heart, so I'll, I'll be remiss if I did not lead us through a little bit of breathing, if you don't mind. So I would say that, taking a breath. As Matt mentioned earlier, um, awareness you know, if you talk a lot about mindfulness, I want to make a clear distinction. So Sky Schools, while we, I love mindfulness, I'm a mindfulness coach myself, we are a unique program because we pair the cognitive processes, the conversations, the questions, the, uh, the, the thought process, along with physiological process. The physiological, physiological process of Sky Schools is the breath. So Sky stands for Sudarshan Kriya Yoga. 
which is a breathing meditation. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. So if you could, for your listeners, take them through a quick, quick, quick breathing practice. That would be my call to action for them right now today is to take care of themselves with their own breath. Okay. So if you could, just stop what you're doing. If you're driving your car, please don't do this. But if you're at (laughs) home listening, please just stop what you're doing. Sit up straight in your chairs. Bring your feet flat to the floor. If you're able to, begin to either close or lower your eyes. Realize there's nothing that you have to do right now. Just become aware of what's already happening. Your breath needs no help. It happens all on its own. And with a little bit of attention on your breathing, you can completely shift your mood. Become aware of the breath as we all take a deep breath in and breathe out. This time, make your exhale a little bit longer than the inhale. The big breath in and breathing out. Bring that focus back to the weight of your feet on the floor, your body pressing down on your seat. Drop your shoulders, relax your cheeks, soften your forehead. Take one more deep breath in, breathe out. And slowly and easily in your own time, begin to open your eyes. Can I say I got my exercise in for the day then? Yes, you can. (laughs) That was nice. Thank you for taking us through that. Well, you can get some more of that if you'd like by just contacting Ambrose WB. Why don't you give us your contact information? Yes, my email address is my first name, A-M-B-R-O-S-E dot W-B at I-A-H-V dot org. That's my most direct information. Feel free to call me, text me. I'm I'm available at 414-388-388. 8747. If you'd like more research, more data, more impact, go to our website, skyschools.org. Skyschools.org. Okay, wonderful. Well, I want to thank my guest today, Matt McDonald, founder of Next 18, and Ambrose WB from the International Association for Human Values. Thank you both for working with veterans and civilians alike to help them live a, a happy and healthy life. I think we all would agree that it's okay to ask for help if you need it. We want to make sure that that's a message we send loud and clear. There are so many people willing and able to help you get the resources you need. So don't be afraid to reach out. Thank you for joining us today, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show or if you have ideas for a guest for the show. You can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 for Milwaukee's philanthropic community to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community a happy, healthy, and safe place. You can tune into News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. Visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, or you can all listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. Decide if either of these organizations we learned more about today, Next 18 and the International Association for Human Values with Ambrose WB. Figure out if it's a a place you want to use your time, your talent, or your resources to make a difference. 
or you can simply share the information that you learned today with someone who you think might need their assistance or someone who may be interested in sharing their gifts with them. Something as simple as sharing a nonprofit's website or Facebook page is a great way to inform, inspire, and impact others, either an individual, a family, or even a community. It's a great way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day.